The holidays are always commemorated by gift-giving, at least according to a friend of mine on last week's installment. And so I, too, have elected to give the gift of hatred for all of you. Yes! That's all I ever want. Enmity is pouring out of my eyes, pores, etc. Yeah, you should get that checked on, like, out of looked other at. orifices. It's nothing but love. I was told that it was much like, you know, another unnamed individual in Gethsemane, that my hatred is just counterbalancing the other suffering done for all of ye. Oh, so you're like almost suffering for our sins of sorts. No, no. Oh, okay, cool. I'm just suffering for idiocy. It's different. Oh, so you're suffering suffering because other people are sins. Got it. Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. I'm suffering okay. listening to this exchange. <laughs> Most people I suffer when they hear me speak, so it's uh-huh. it's not it's not off it's not off kilter. Yes, and speaking of interminably bad intros, I will say <laughs> by the eternal behold, behold, it's the disinformed podcast. I'm Shane, and I'm Michael. And Michael. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day we'll we'll fall back into sync. God, I this I don't think I'm gonna make it through this night, friends. <laughs> this is gonna be good for me. This okay. is the longest Crucify night, me, baby. <laughs> It's, I, I feel like, you know, the bleeding has yet to stop, so we'll just let it continue. But uh, in the in the grand state of all things, we, we, we're we going to push through the pain here, much like you all at the holidays when you unbuckle the belt a little at the table so you can get another piece of, you know, pie down. And so we're going to continue in the commemoration of a discussion of the holidays, because for the unfamiliar amongst you, what we usually do here is we like to talk about random esoterica, and in the course of doing so, lie about it. It is delightful almost every time. And what we have been doing, of course, is discussing Christmas and its genesis, pardon the pun, no jacket required. (laughs) And, uh, however... (laughs) We do not allow you to leave disinformed when you listen. Oh, no, no. We like to tell you what we lied about at the end of the episode, so stay tuned. And uh, we had a lot of lies last week. Four, in fact, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm only given half credit for at least two of those. Yeah, yeah the uh, the first one there, that number lie was no good. Yeah, but I did yeah, like I it think when he put both. the moss back in Christmas and went with the Conquistadora lie. That was, that was not bad. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. Christ Moss. Mm, live Christ Moss. Hey, so just give me some nacho mm, cheese, exactly. apparently. And that actually yeah. sounds really good. I want some Taco Bell right now. Christ chose. Ugh. Anyway. Um, okay. So. Um, it's a thorny intro, Michael, but we survived. Yes. And, and it, our intros are the gift that keeps on giving. And speaking of giving, there are two lies. In this <gasps> in this part too. Oh, we're really going to be working for our milk this time. Oh yes. Uh, in our last episode, we talked about the history of well, we talked about the history of Christmas by not talking about the history of Christmas by talking about winter solstice and cultures that celebrate it. Um, we got some teasers in the form of several holidays which had some influence on Christmas. We learned a little about Hanukkah and Yule and a good amount about Saturnalia. Uh, 
So far, we can see some overarching themes that, you know, come from these and more winter solstice celebrations, particularly feasting and generally celebrating not being dead. Uh, We saw some gift giving in some places with some celebrating the arrival of the sun. Now we've gotten some good ideas for what should go into a holiday. Let's figure out Christmas. Where did it come from and why is it here? (laughs) <laughs> almost did it again Damn. almost did it yes again. i saw it in your eyes and i was like here it comes um this is one of those times where i wish i had an abundance of information to pour through uh where there is an explicit record of the first christmas uh but alas history of those on the outskirts of the roman empire don't have all the available methods that the romans themselves the had. first christmas was 2022 years ago when our lord and savior arrived on this planet anyway well (laughs) to be honest we don't we don't know which days but uh, because this is actually something we're going to talk about well Um, yeah technically is you know good old what march birth no april wasn't it well to some people yes to other people's no to other people's definitely not demons Um, to some yes well, uh, Parmesan be praised. I can tell you when Quab was conceived. And that was? In my oven at 350 with a nice, nice marinara. Mm. I was going to say 1492 by a gentleman named Chef Boyardi. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to hear. Um, and booty. Yar. Since there are gaps in the record and Ooh. plenty of... Exactly. And plenty of historians and theologians uh, who love nothing more than to debate with each other. We have plenty of hypotheses for the, since you already made this pun, genesis of Christmas. Um, yeah. Before we all get, before we get to all these great theories, I just want to make sure everyone is on the same page as to what Christmas is supposed to celebrate. Like the actual Christmas celebration, not what we as, you know, a secular culture do today. Or consumers. Or consumers. Um, For those who have been blissfully ignorant of the holiday of Christmas, and that is incredibly impressive if you uh, live in the U.S., uh, Christmas is an annual festival uh, commemorating the birth of Jesus Christ, an important figure in Christianity. To be very, very brief... (laughs) (laughs) An important figure, not... An important figure. Notable, in fact, I find. Some could say it's named after him, but, you know... Some could say... Uh, That's a bit presumptuous, though. (laughs) Uh, To be very, very brief, uh, Jesus Christ was an alleged carpenter turned prophet who had some very interesting things to say about those in power whether through wealth or through other means. A pretty chill He's dude a for the most figure. part. He's not as big as like um, Chris North or something like that. That's why it's called Christians and not Christians. I gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See? Notable, you already not, know. Yeah. yeah. Well, some people age. debate that it wasn't Chris, Nor- uh, Chris North. It was some other kind of Chris. It's, it's, it's a long debate. Like, people have died over this sort of thing. And um, that's neither here nor there. That's going to be an entirely separate 10-part series on why it's called Christmas. Uh, but... That's neither here nor there. Anyway, anyway, that was my next line in the script. Uh, Christmas celebrates his birth, which was set by the early church as December 25th in the early 4th century, which, if you can't count, is some 300 years after he lived. Uh, Records from that era are scant, as I mentioned earlier. The earliest records of people who remembered and celebrated Jesus' birth come from the 2nd century, still a good hundred or so years after his existence. 
You mean to tell me that the Bible is bullshit? Just I mean to say mind. everything after the Bible was not sufficiently recorded, and I mean, yeah, yes, yes, okay, yeah, it's all bullshit, <laughs> but I didn't want to get into that. I was trying okay. to avoid that and be family-friendly. Well, every time I think about the Bible, I just think of those glorious cat videos of just, Dear Diary. <laughs> I mean... Today the Lord walked amongst the unwashed and suddenly manifested fishes out of the back of his <laughs> pants. I was wondering where that was, was going. Was he carrying those the whole time? <laughs> we don't know. Apparently, he's a magician. <laughs> but not that kind of magician that we'd have to burn because we're against magicians except for him, but he's cool. And I'm over here being forced into celibacy. I could have been knee-deep in shepherd's daughters. I thought you were going to say knee-deep in fish. Um... <laughs> Another part of the chronograph of 354, which I brought up last episode, recorded a Christmas celebration that took place in Rome eight days before the Calends of January 30, uh, 336, which, for all those not counting, would have been on December 25th. Calends, for those not aware, is the first day of the month, so the Calends of January would be January 1st. <gasps> Don't know why it was specified that way, but it was specified that way. Mm-hmm. So, Christmas took place December 25th, meaning that at some point in about the 300 years between Jesus' death and this Christmas celebration, people decided to celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December. Were they on the modern calendar back then, or were they still on the... I translated everything. I see. Like, okay. yeah, yeah. I don't remember exactly. Um, it's like January 7th or something like that, I think. Uh, well, that's what some people presume. Uh, that's what it translates... If you're translating it one way, it goes another way, and then it goes another way. There's, again, this uh, this alone took me a good couple of hours to try and discern what the hell was going on. And even then, I'm still presenting this as a debate. Um, because people just don't know how to translate things because the records are so scant for early Christians at the time. I mean, people still believe that like there was a massive sort of... Um, there, there was a lot of literature that was written at the time of early Christians being persecuted, but a lot of it was fiction uh, written kind of like as a victim, sort of like, oh, woe is us, because we're always in, you know, gladiatorial things. Whereas we aren't really sure how many people were actually just thrown into the ring as because they were Christian. So, so when it's you're like, giving us the dates here. None of these are going to be lies, right? Because I now know that you no, have a none of, affection no, no, or affinity no. for calendar oh, lies. And I so I just it, wanted to make I, sure when you say January or December 25th, you don't come back later and be like, well, actually, it was a Gregorian calendar, and it turns out it was January 4th. Lie number no, one. No. <laughs> I, <wouldn't, laughs> I can get pedantic, but I don't feel like... It, it, uh, do you, yeah, I was about I to get, say, Dan Brown, let's move away from okay. whether or not people are just making up history and, yeah. and blowing people's minds <laughs> off the okay. onset. I'm like, I don't feel like I would get that pedantic, but... We I, are I two steps away from being the opening sequence of Snatch, where they're walking in to rob the bank and extolling the virtues of the supposed scholars mistranslated the Hebrew word for young woman into the you know, English word for virgin, and then note, behold, the virgin did give birth to a son. We're going to get into that. 
Um, so I hope you guys are ready for some theological discussion. Don't worry. It's, it's, it's going to be way less ready for theological discussion. Michael. It's not, it's not really super detailed theological discussion. There's only three major hypotheses on why the date of December 25th was chosen. And they're pretty straightforward. Okay. And you don't discuss this sort of hair fashions that the Christ wore, how the I, wise men were clad, you know. Um, as much as I would say that this probably, like, there are probably debates that are centered around that stuff, I did not want to get too deep into the weeds with that, or else this would have been a long, long series yeah, that I wouldn't no. want to deal with. Based on um, some of our history, I imagine so you were going to give one, us the full backstory of all the wise men, how no, they met. No, there's, no. There are a couple of names that are mentioned, but it's mainly saying, like, you might know this person if you don't. Cool. Doesn't matter. Moving on. Uh, so people like St. Augustine um, or Augustine. No, Augustine. I think it's Augustine. Or Augustine, either way. Just yeah, yeah. Give the, your preference. The first hypothesis, aptly named the calculation hypothesis, in part because theologians are big math nerds and like to obsessively calculate dates based on vague statements in the Bible, like you were just saying. Uh, get your red yard out, everyone, because we're going on an adventure. So, and I and I and we're not actually going on an adventure. This is only like three paragraphs long. I I mean it. So, oh, I feel very reassured. So, <laughs> follow follow the logic. I I took something that was like ten paragraphs and shortened it down a lot. For those of you who aren't counting, okay. So, in order to be born, you need to be conceived. Correct. Ex- Depending starting, upon who you ask. We're starting on very basic premises here. Okay. So, well, Is yes. it basic? I mean, that's kind of the whole foundation of uh, Christianity, right? Oh, I, I, I did not get too much into the detail of the Arian controversy, but we are talking about okay. that in later But I mean, on. are we also going to get philosophical <laughs> of like what came first, the chicken or the no. egg? The, I, I can't imagine Listen, myself being at all filled. Okay. Uh, exactly. What is Whether the it's sound a chicken of or one, an egg. One hand clapping. Uh, it. I don't want to. Yeah. Exactly. All right, so you got to get conceived. So, so for Jesus to be born on December 25th, he needed to be conceived. The official term is the Annunciation, uh, which I found incredible because I can't enunciate to save my life. Um, he had to be conceived on March 25th, right? Nine months to the day because that's how well, conception works. Are like that. closer to 10 months, I think, normally. N- no, this is it's nine months. According to them, it's nine months exactly to the day. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's nine months. So I was like, oh. Furthermore, yes. also gestations just a roll of the dice, friends. Yeah, exactly. Life's a lottery to the day, to the exact minute. Okay. Uh-huh. Um. So, uh, how do we know that? Uh, so, how do we know that Gabriel told Mary she's now pregnant with God's child on March 25th? Simple, because that's the day Jesus died, aka the Passion of Jesus Christ, and no, not the one directed by Mel Gibson. Follow the logic. How do we know the passion occurred on March 25th? Right? I I almost said March 25th of March. How do we know the passion occurred on the 25th of March? Well, because at the time, early Christians celebrated Jesus's life on a date considered equivalent to the day before Passover, which would coincide with March 25th. All major events, including the passion, were celebrated on this day. Paul mentions Passover in his letter to the Corinthians. Which then this guy who died in 220, I didn't even, uh, Terulian or whatever, then calculates the date of the Passion to be March 25th, which means Jesus was born on December 25th, right? Did that make sense? Since Jesus died on March 25th, and since he was a great man, it was a traditional Jewish belief that great men were born and died on the same day. 
So that means because he was because he died on the 25th of March, he was conceived on the 25th of March, which meant that he so, would have been born on December 25th. Wait, I'm sorry. So they believe that great men are born and die on the same day, but yes. we're yeah, defining not conceived. born by conceived. Cause, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah, no, that does not make sense. <laughs> it, yes, I know. Okay. I know. All right. Uh, yes, I know. Um, I sat, I, again, this, Bullshit. this <laughs> unfortunately, people think this is a legitimate hypothesis. Or a podcast. <laughs> uh. Uh, yes. Okay. So that was it. That was the hypothesis, right? Okay. He died there because of that he was conceived because of that he was born on December 25th. His, his so. life has an incredible sense of symmetry. Yes. And speaking of symmetry, the second the hypothenuse. The second uh, hypothesis. You do, and you'll clean it up. Damn it! The second hypothesis is creatively called the solstice state hypothesis. The core tenet is pretty straightforward. December twenty fifth was considered considered to be the winter solstice in the Roman calendar, though it actually occurred a day or two before. I can understand that error, though. It's not like they had complex ways of recording time. You know, they had the sundial, which is all fine and dandy. Um, but you can't really measure time down to the minutes, right? Especially when it's sunset, right? So it's a lot. It's very difficult to measure when, which day, whatever. So there's some error, right? But they uh, consider the 25th of December to be the winter solstice. So a sermon in the late, centru- late four- 4th century by the well-known St. Augustine uh, summarizes this hypothesis pretty well. Hence, it is that he was born on the day which is the shortest in our earthly earthly reckoning and from which subsequent days begin to increase in length. He, therefore, who bent low and lifted us up chose the shortest day, yet the one whence light begins to increase. To give this hypothesis a bit more gravitas, Mr. Applefauna's head Newton, Isaac Newton, who coincidentally was also born on December 25th, agrees with this hypothesis, which essentially says if it makes sense, he would be born on the shortest day of the year because, you know, light comes from him and light happens more often after this day. Um, Makes a lot more sense than the great men are born and die on the same day. But when I say born, I actually mean conceived. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, So, that's that's the whole that's the whole hypothesis one of cosmic cosmic significance um specifically quoting a Stephen Hijmans I think I'm pronouncing last last name right uh from the University of Alberta it is cosmic symbolism which inspired the church leadership in Rome to elect the southern solstice December 25th as the birthday of Christ and the northern solstice as that of John the Baptist supplemented by the equinoxes as their recept- respective dates of conception. Uh, what so, the hell does that guy know? He's Canadian. What do they know up there anyways? Bunch of lousy I, A lot, actually. Yeah, a lot about maple syrup and hockey. They've managed cool. to crack the code of national health care, which has stymied you know folks in this country for quite some time. And will continue to do so. <laughs> uh, and they know how to tap a maple up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vermont's pretty good, too. And I wouldn't uh, be throwing Psh. hockey into that too badly. You know, the last time a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup? 1993. Oof. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, we did steal the sport. Yeah, that is true. We did co-op it, which is something Americans like to do. 
It's why soccer is getting super popular nowadays. <sighs> so like we still won't give it the name back, unfortunately. No, we won't. The, we, <laughs> we'll we'll co-op some things, but not everything. You know, actually, I and maybe I'm misremembering, but just for a quick little tangent there, I believe it was actually called soccer first. I think I read that like uh, in an article like a couple months back. I have to, hmm. yeah, I have to do a little research, but I think the actual first mentioning of it was soccer. So I think that's actually the original name. Don't quote me on it, but I'll follow up and get back to y'all. That would be interesting to learn, but I like to just not go with what America says. And I will say football is first until proven otherwise, mm-hmm. which also mm-hmm. sounds very American of me to say that like that. But again, neither right. here nor there. I've been presented with a, do- a different fact that I don't like. So, <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm going to ignore st- it until I am told wrong and I will still probably ignore it. <laughs> this is as unfair. God intended. This is I've never this has never happened before uh, in, in the whole of my recollection. I don't think it's ever been debated this vigorously. This fake news. Fake news. Yes. Huge. Huge. Um, that's the only thing I know that I can say anyway. Um, so the third hypothesis, uh, this is the hypothesis that I had assumed was already proven, but people still debate and compare it to the likes of the solstice state hypothesis and the calculation hypothesis, which, so I just have to preemptively jump in and say, is this third hypothesis bullshit? No, it is true. Okay. Yeah. It's the history of religions hypothesis posits that the early church selected the December 25th date to appropriate appropriate uh, festivities appropriate? held appropriate. I got too excited. <laughs> to appropriate festivities held by Romans. However, it was not Saturnalia, but rather a specific celebration connected to a Roman god named Sol Invictus, uh, meaning unconquered sun or simply known as Helios. The worship and subsequently the celebration around Helios, called These Natalis uh, Solis Invicti, uh, started with the Roman Emperor Aurelian in 274, which was recorded in that chronograph of 354. Um, this hypothesis goes far back as well, but gained more popularity as the years went by. We have an explicit mention of this theory in an annotation added to a manuscript by a 12th century Syrian bishop. Uh, which wrote, quote, It was a custom of the pagans to celebrate on the 25th of December, the birthday of the sun, at which they kindled light in token of festivity. In these solemnites and revelries, the Christians also took part. Accordingly, when the doctors of the church perceived that the Christians had a leaning to this uh, festival, they took counsel and resolved that the true nativity should be solemnized on that day. So, this is pretty much the idea is that Christians just co-opted other festivities and said, you know what, we're going to have our own on that day as well. This Isn't is that a little bit like the second hypothesis, though, where they're co-opting the winter solstice? No, they're saying it's the winter solstice because he's important and the winter solstice is important. I see. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which I could have just said that. Mm. They chose that day because it's important. Um, and this is saying they just want it to be more palatable for anybody who wants to celebrate because they're used to celebrating at this point so let's not complicate it by doing the actual date let's just do this date exactly who cares who we're toasting so long as we got an excuse to get drunk yeah exactly let's toast uh jesus yes jesus Jesus, buddha i love you all it's Mm -hmm. like saint patrick's day in the united states Mm -hmm. who cares why we're drinking we're drinking (laughs) Uh, This is where we have another debate, because historians love to bait literally everything. Uh, 
Uh, while some historians believe that the church selected December 25th to coincide with this Roman uh, celebration, others believe the opposite, that Dies Natalis Solus Invicti was established in order to compete with the church who had already been celebrating Christmas prior. Is this bullshit? No. Uh, Again, like, this is... this is me trying to summarize like so pages they're saying of that documents Rome ripped off Christianity. Yes, which I mean also seems reasonable because a lot of times whenever Romans would conquer a new land, they would be like, "These are cool gods, you know what? They're mm-hmm. part of our pantheon." So right, hey, right. you're already celebrating with us. It's great. And so like right? all the cool kids are going to the Christian parties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so not at all like high school so, for starters, but all yeah. the cool <laughs> kids are going to the Christian parties. So Rome's like, "Hey guys, uh, we got a party over here too." Exactly. Come to our Um, frat. Going even further, there's a third group of historians who think both holidays being celebrated on the same day that were essentially created around the same time were purely coincidental. The Stephen Heidemans from the Solstice Hypothesis had this to say, quote, While early Christians were aware that pagans called this day the birthday of Sol Invictus, this did not concern them and did not play any role in their choice of the date for Christmas. As some other dude. Right, since I threw out some bullshits before, I'll just throw out one on this just because there seems to be this whole pantheon of uh, historians that are all disagreeing with each other. So is this one bullshit? No, it's true too. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's one thing if you're like, okay, I have my hypothesis, right? But I'm now going to shit on other people's hypotheses. Like, it's it's not so much like, yeah, no, he, he Christmas, he was born on this day because it was important and he's important. But your idea that you're co-opting, that they co-opted other religions is bullshit. Like, And then there's other people, they're like, guys, guys, it's just a coincidence, okay? I mean, yeah, that's this other dude, Adam C. English, not a lie, that was his real name, uh, went even further, writing, quote, We have evidence from the second century, less than 50 years after the close of the New Testament, that Christians were remembering and celebrating the birth of the Lord. It is not true to say that the observance of the nativity was imposed on Christians hundreds of years later by imperial decree or by a magisterial church ruling. The observance sprang up organically from the authentic devotion of ordinary believers. So he's, he's saying like coincidental purely, you know, they just started celebrating it because, you know, they, they, they just were. They're And they're then cool. another group of historians claims that neither festival or celebration existed, period. <laughs> and that I it's mean, all I, a lie. I kind of made that as an as a joke. Um I said he makes a good point where a fourth uh hypothesis could be argued, uh, but one that isn't as fancy as the others. Uh I termed I dubbed this one the it just happened hypothesis, where, hear me out, it just happened over time. There was no blatant shaping of Christmas from events or holidays. People just decided uh, one day that Christmas was to be celebrated on the 25th of December, and that was that. that I think that was my hypothesis for it. and As in, like, I... I, I much prefer the election by jubilation hypothesis comparatively. Where, where people are just like, yeah, let's just Everybody's celebrate. Everybody's doing it. Let's just do it. Yeah. I mean, come on. Don't you want to be cool, too? I mean, like... Do you really want to have to go back to, like, school tomorrow and say we didn't do it when everyone else did? Here's the thing. It's sweater wetter. So, I mean, like, obviously, this is the day Jesus would want to be born on. Yeah. Um, So, that was a lot of theology. And and probably... I mean... Oh, sorry. I'm surprised that nobody... Well, I'm just surprised that there isn't, like, some sort of, like, 
theory put out there that, you know, assuming that some emperor or pope or somebody along the way was crowned on December 25th. So it was like, oh, well, we'll just get together to celebrate his thing anyways. I mean, you're jumping the gun a little bit um, in that. And and I'll explain why in a moment. But Christmas kind of went out of vogue for a while for, you know, some several hundred years. And it was actually the crowning of Charlemagne in 800 on Christmas Day that kind of brought it back into also vogue. kind of okay so that is kind of a, I, I see uh, yes yeah but as as opposed to why my man bringing why Christmas it started back. I don't know but yeah so that was a lot of theology and probably more relig- religious reading than I have ever done in my entire life uh, now we have a vague idea as to how Christmas got its start we can Very now vague. look at yes <laughs> um, we can now look at how it has evolved over the centuries. We don't know much about how Christmas was celebrated during the collapse of the Roman Empire and the subse- subsequent Eurocentrically named Dark Ages. Because but we I know it loves you. Exactly. And that's all that matters. Um, in part because Christmas lost much of its importance during the Aryan controversy, not those Aryans. And we'll see why in a moment. This controversy, which, and this. Again, short, short, uh, short. Okay, it's not short if you keep saying it's short. Sorry, you you paused. You paused. No, you paused. So I thought you lost connection. Oh, I've been I've been disconnected for quite some time. Okay, I mean internet connection. Anyway, uh, so this controversy, which led to such important events in early church history, like the First Council of uh, Nicaea in 325, the First Council of Constantinople in 381. Uh, is absolutely fascinating because it is a perfect example of how early Christians love to debate and argue about every little detail. However, much of this debate does not involve Christmas, and so this period of sweet, juicy content will have to be put away, stored for another rainy day. Um, Now, it wasn't Constantinople. No, yeah, no. It it, was Istanbul. No, it was not Istanbul. (laughs) They didn't learn the lesson from the Turks. and it's <laughs> nobody's business but the Turks. So, well, on. the Turks did, the Turks were still in Central Asia. They hadn't even migrated over yet, so they don't even they don't have anything to worry about here. And that's <sighs> Very, why we have turkey for Christmas dinner. Again, you keep jumping Checks the out. gun on things. <laughs> <sighs> Very briefly, the Aryan controversy was all about whether there was a period when Jesus did not exist, and if he was made as the same uh, made of the same substance as God. Yes, this What's is a, God made out of Spaghetti, some divine substance obviously. that literally their their words, their words. Like I said, they like to argue and debate over every little thing, and I don't understand it. Okay, this is uh, in that three hundreds something. Yes. Then? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, when they're like, we still need to get everything down pat for some bizarre reason. So, Arius, a priest from the Roman North African region of Cyrenaica. Uh, who started this whole debacle, started throwing around the following logical argument. He wrote, quote, If the father begat the son, and that he was begotten had a beginning of existence. Right? Hence, it is that there was uh, a time, because this is old-timey, I'm trying to make it a little bit more modern, hence there was a time when the son was not. It follows then of necessity that he had his existence from the non-existence. Essentially, since Jesus was born then it follows that he did not exist for all time like God. Then, and therefore, 
Jesus must be made of a different substance from God, which apparently was something that they cared about. This led to many disagreements within the clergy, uh, spilling out into the public, leading to the church, which had only been recently legalized some decade prior. So they were only like, a Roman emperor was like, you know what, church, you're okay, right? They called for official councils to formally end this debate. And eventually they decided against the airy interpretation that Jesus had some sort of start time. Yes, again, like I said, very confusing. Well, so, but it, it just it also the the logic doesn't translate because it doesn't. so we are not fully formed human beings. We spring forth from a substance that is not technically a full grown human. So yes. it, it we are all conceived by a matter that then germinates and becomes us. Yes. Doesn't mean that our father didn't exist. Or that we are not our father's children. Well, no, they're not saying but, either one of those. They're just saying that, unlike God, he couldn't have existed for all time, right? Correct. Yeah, so... Yeah. so but, you know, transubstantiation's a thing. Do we not philosophize about that? I mean, yes, we do. Whether or not I it makes have, sense. Yeah, the thing I would have trouble with <laughs> is if they're going to stop to debate and be like, well, I don't think Jesus was around forever, then... Why aren't we saying the same thing about the original, like the OG God, right? Like, why are oh, we assuming ooh, that he just ooh. existed the entire that's time? A, that's, that's, that's some deep territory you're delving into. One that will get you on the, on the burn side. Uh, yeah, because a lot of early Christians, whenever there was a controversy like that, they, it was usually put down with people getting butchered. Like, so you can talk shit about the son, but you mess with the dad and it's like, whoa. Burn yeah, exactly. Well, well, yeah, vengeful yeah, yeah. God. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> see all of the Old Testament. Yeah, um, Seagram's Golden Wine Cooler. Okay. Anyway, exactly. sorry, not no, to you're, digress, you're, but yeah, the, the logic doesn't exist there. It does. It, do, it, it does. Yeah, I yeah. don't understand. As either. with everything else we've talked about prior, the logic Ex does not exist. Exactly. Uh, why was this important to uh, in in regards to Christmas? Well, Christmas was all about celebrating the birth of Jesus and considering how there was a whole debate on his type of existence and whether he was made of the same substance as God or not, uh, it led people to put Christmas on the back burner for a couple of centuries, all the way up to, like I said, when Charlemagne was crowned the Emperor of the Romans on Christmas Day 800. Looking at the 800s, much of Europe was Christianized, with only some holdouts like the Romuva religion in modern-day Lithuania, the Norse Germanic religion in Scandinavia, and some adherents of Tengriism in modern-day Ukraine. Because of this, Christmas has already absorbed many of the traditions that came from other religious practices, as we'll see in a moment. Oh, sorry, just to jump in real quick. Uh, speaking of Ukraine, do you are you going to touch on any like interesting kind of neat fun facts about different Christmas traditions in different spots? Uh, like, with anything to do with the Ukraine, I don't want to cut your grass. If you no, know. okay, uh, no, I am not. <clears throat> if you, um, if you would like to add one, well, I was just going to um, say, do you uh, are you guys aware that like. Uh, in Ukraine, they decorate their Christmas trees with spiders and spider webs. That's cool. Yeah, apparently it has to do with some sort of um, like old folk tale uh, in U with Ukrainian like mythology with some like old lady that didn't have the money to decorate a tree, and so uh, was very sad about that. And then when she went to sleep one night, she woke up the next day, and I guess like spiders had woven around the whole tree, and the way the like the light hit it, you know, hit the webs and stuff, it was quite beautiful kind of like christmas lights 
and uh-huh. uh, and then like they were like giant spiders, so they look kind of like the bulbs and stuff. But because of that old folktale, I guess like Ukrainians uh, decorate their trees with like spiders and spider webs, which oh. I always thought was kind of interesting. That's metal as fuck. I love that. Yeah, that was neat. <laughs> I like that that has become your phrase. But <laughs> metal as uh, fuck. Yeah, that I- is in fact. Uh, but also, it, it celebrates the beauty of natural splendor as opposed mm-hmm. to unnatural splendor. Yeah, that is something I can get behind a lot easier than putting just... incendiary objects against you know easily flammable living yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, medieval Christians started off the winter season uh, with the month-long fast of Advent. Uh, during which Christians avoided rich foods and overindulgence in preparation of Christmas and Epiphany. But uh, ate the chocolate day... every day. Yes. <laughs> modern day. Modern day. Modern day. We're talking about medieval Christians. Chocolate hadn't been invented yet. Well, actually, yeah, no, I think chocolate is still a, a new world thing where they only consumed it in Central America. But anyway. So in another hundred years, Lent is going to be an orgiastic feast of, you know, here... Heretofore, untold proportions. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so, let's see here. Uh, yeah, so in preparation of Christmas and Epiphany, the date where the three magi visit little baby Jesus. Uh, this is also when we see decorations of mistletoe pop up, a Celtic custom, and wreaths as well, a Roman-slash-Greek holiday tradition. Um, once the sun rose on Christmas Day, however, you better have stamina like the ancients did because you're partying straight from Christmas through to Epiphany on January 6th. Yep. For those counting at home, that is 12 days, which some people connect to the Yule Logs of old school Yule traditions. Remember, uh, even though Scandinavia hadn't been brought into the Christian fold yet, which they will in the next hundred or so years, uh, many other places that celebrated similar holidays were, specifically parts of Germany and Celtic Western Europe. Of course, what holiday would it be without a metric fuckton of feasting? The degree of Christmas decadence depended on your social status, but most people who own livestock would usually slaughter at least a pig in November to salt and smoke in preparation for Christmas bacon and ham, which was also a carryover. Exactly. Christmas ham was also a carryover from Yule. Wealthy lords uh, in the countryside were expected to allow their feudal peasants off for these 12 days, and almost ripped directly from Saturnalia, were expected to serve their peasants a festive meal as well. According to one document in 1393, a festive meal would begin with a course of pasties, sausages, and black pudding. It is pasties. Pasties, that's what uh, the strippers wear, isn't it? (sighs) In a way, but also another word for pasty is a sort of pastry that is crimped at the edge so you can eat it uh while not really getting your hands dirty it's i don't there's a, i don't appreciate your exasperated side before your explanation sir ah, strippers again <laughs> uh it's only because anytime there's a there's a restaurant in nearby called cornish pasty and i get annoyed whenever people call it cornish pastry or when someone mentions pasty, they immediately think of it's it's pronounced pasty. Oh, what whatever Fucking hell, Michael? Whatever. That's you why know what? I'm sitting here this whole time. Is like no, it's it's pasty. It is pasty. Fucking 
Sorry, and maybe I'm wrong. It's been a long time, but it is pasty for the stripper, right? Yes, it is yes, pasty. Yes, it for- is. Okay. That's why I was <laughs> exasperated when he said it. And now we're three minutes gone. <laughs> okay. Anyway, this festive meal will would begin with a course of a course of that thing, the thing, uh, the thing, um, sausages and black pudding, oh. a type of festive pudding with many. Christmas adjacent uh, adjacent herbs and spices like nutmeg, star anise, and allspice. And I just blood. related to figgy pudding. Uh, no, no, and well, no, figging pudding. It, what? M- more figging than fig. Yes. Um, I describe it as a sort of gazpacho, a type of cold soup, but uh, made yeah, with I know blood. What a gazpacho is. <laughs> I mean, I didn't for the longest time, so. It was only recently that I learned what gazpacho was, because, again, I just don't know things. It's a Cuban dictator. (laughs) Gestapo. The gazpacho police. (laughs) Anyway, so it's like gazpacho, but made with blood from either a pig or a cow instead of blended vegetables. Um, From there, peasants would feast on several courses of fish, fowl, and roast meats before the final course of custards tarts, nuts, and sweetmeats. Moving mm. up to the... Exactly. It does sound like a good feast. What's uh, a moving up. Diabetic. <laughs> <laughs> I, sh- I should have looked that up because I... When I wrote it, I'm like, I think I remember what a sweetmeat is, but now I don't remember what it is, so... Yeah, sweetbreads are a, a particular type of, like, I think liver uh, and prepared in a particular way. Okay. But it, yeah, I'm it's vague with, with me. With a as nice well. Chianti? Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Um so moving up to the royalty, feasts would be taken to a whole nother level. Uh for example, for a Christmas dinner in twelve twenty six, English King Henry the Third ordered forty salmon, heaps of venison and boar meat, and quote, as many lampreys as possible. That motherfucker knew how to party. Yes, lampreys for those unaware, because I wasn't, uh, are a type of jawless, jawless fish with a tooth, toothed, funnel-like sucking mouth who suck the blood of other fish. They look like they're they're described as eels yeah. frequently. Uh, yes, hence yes. your feeding relation. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, terrifying as fuck. Um, King Richard the second of. Apparently I, so. Michael's, you know, the the quotes for this episode and this run is going to be everything dot 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 as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's that's just how I feel today. Okay. All right. King Richard II of England also hosted a feast in 1377 at which 28 oxen and 300 sheep were eaten. What a dick. Yeah, exactly. The dickest of them all. Or, well, I think maybe Richard III, you know, that's the Lionheart one. Maybe he was more of a dick. He's a big Don't dick. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only mentioned food, but trust me, these people drank. While commoners uh, stuck with ales and spice ciders, lords and ladies alike drank wine by the ton. Literally. Uh, I'm not joking. In one year, our Henry III ordered 60 tons of wine, with one ton being equal to about... Three, uh, 1,300 bottles, uh, 12, uh, 12, 1,272 to be exact. 
you yeah, that, you could drink wine for... safer than you could drink water back then, so it makes a lot of sense. I mean, yes, yeah, because you know you are boiling it, and that's what kills bacteria. And yeah, so yeah. it makes sense you'd have like a few bottles of wine a day. Plus, or, like it didn't have quite the. Well, you'd have to have a few a day to get to a ton a year. I guess. No, no, no. He ordered that just for the uh, Christmas celebration. Sixty tons of wine, man, just for Christmas. Why you got to be so meaty? That's all I need. Exactly. Uh, Now that these peasants are, ah, ah, ah. Now that you, as a peasant, are all liquored up and full to the brim on food, what else are you going to do? Well, you could do some gift giving, which usually occurred between people with legal relationships, such as tenants and landlords. Uh, you could also go mumming, if that tickles your fancy. Always does. Mummers would dress up in animal masks or disguise themselves as women and then go door-to-door singing festive folk songs, a.k.a. caroling, and telling jokes. While some of this do- uh, did this for the love of the game, uh, others expected small gifts or coins in exchange, uh, kind of like those musicians that would come up to you while you're at a nice restaurant and play for you for free, uh, providing you throw in a tip for their troubles. Um, to be honest, I, I hate when that happens, when people just come up and let me play for you because I don't want to pay for it because I don't know what to pay them. Uh, and so I get really anxious and it ruins my whole night when that happens. Um, so that's why oh, I immediately thought of damn. it. Yes, because then I get anxious about it. And then if they play like the table next to us, uh, then I get even more paranoid. So I have to like make it look like I'm not listening. So they'd be like, well, you listen. Now you got a tip too. That's what passes through my head, okay? Anyway, mumming. You're a patron of the arts, you are. Do you, uh, yes. Do you know where mumming is still popular today, many, many centuries later? Egypt. No. But... no uh, if we go back <laughs> go to Canada, forward. and uh, it's in Newfoundland. Oh. oh still very popular in Newfoundland. Hmm. It's a mummer's farce, is what that is. Oof. Um, so, mumming wasn't the only excuse to wear animal masks. Uh, in another Christmas custom, the, no. BDSM. Not, no. <laughs> I thought you were going to say furries, and both of those are a no. Uh, in another Christmas custom, the royalty would parade through the feasting hall wearing a whole animal's head, recently removed, and singing special songs. Is that uh, the goal. What is bullshit? Oh, we must be sniffing I, the part around of it something. Is, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I can't hold I can't hold a lie right now. Fresh but. animals' heads. Yeah, the fresh animal head. The, the okay. royalty walking right. around with it. Let me finish out the lie because I I was quite proud of it. But furthermore, like most but, animal heads are going to be far too small. To well, I was just thinking on. the royalty would put that on and be like, "This is smells disgusting. No way would they be down to just walk around with it." I mean, imagine so, how they smelt at the time, though. So I mean, how yeah, would you so even differentiate like, exactly? Uh, so the goal would to be uh, the goal would be to sing throughout the whole feasting hall before you vomited from wearing a goddamn animal head on top of your own. So that was a lie, right? The thankfully these people weren't that disgusting. The animal head was cooked first. They still oh, wore the animal head, but it was cooked and prefer and presumably drained of its fluids. Well, so then you know, it goes from smelling disgusting to smelling delicious. I exactly. would happily parade around with a turkey on my head. Yeah. Someone's enjoying some head cheese over here then. Mm. The typical head of choice was boar. So to answer your question about like, you know, what fit on people's heads. I mean, boar's um, head is fun. Mhm. Well, Great cheese. royalty are delicious. pretty headed. 
Oh, haha. Um, but as the years progressed, uh, more and more people wore wooden boar heads instead of, you know, the traditional old school way of actual boar heads. Um, in the middle of the 12 day party uh, was my favorite event, the Feast of Fools, for I am one, held on January 1st, in which priests, deacons, in which assholes. Pre- <laughs> yeah, held on January 1st in which priests, deacons, and other church officials were given license to act like fools. Role reversals were popular, in which the lonely subdeacons delivered sermons, for example. Nowadays, there's like so much paperwork to get the license. Such a pain in the ass to be a fool these days. Exactly. That's why you only do a sub. You only become a sub, not a dom deacon. I mean, some people did it and became president. Also true. However, like all good things, there are always detractors. Uh, one such fuddy-duddy wrote in the 15th century, quote, Priests and clerks may be seen wearing masks and monstrous visages at all hours of office. They dance in the choir dressed as women, panders, and minstrels. They sing wanton songs. They eat black puddings. While the celebrant is saying mass, they play at dice. They run and leap through the church without a blush at their own shame. Unquote. The twelfth night, the night of January 5th, was a celebration all on its own. It represented the culmination of the previous 12 days of merrymaking and mischief, so much so that Shakespeare's famous comedy, Twelfth Night, was pretty much written to be performed on this night. The main difference came from the centerpiece of the feast for the night. A massive bean cake, a rich fruit-filled cake, in which a tiny dried bean was hidden. A historian by the name of Anne Lawrence Mathers noted, quote, whoever got the slice of cake had the uh, with the bean in it was king for the night and could give people silly penalties, which they had to obey. Another term for this king was the Lord of Misrule, an obvious callback to the king of Saturnalia of ancient Roman times. This Lord of Misrule had the power to upend social hierarchies and demand embarrassing tasks from authority figures like parents, schoolmasters, and lords. As the Twelfth Night would come to a close, people all over would switch gears to celebrate the next holiday, Epiphany, a holiday somewhat different from Christmas and as such will leave alone, especially because of how Epiphany is celebrated, because how Epiphany is celebrated varies widely depending on where you live. Thus, with the last revelers passing out drunk in the pig pens and most of us, uh, as most of us have done at one point or another, we end our part two of the history of Christmas. Bored beyond belief. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, In part three, we'll see how this amazing 12-day-long festival transformed into the uh, over-commercialized gift-giving extravaganza we all know and tolerate. Always Coca-Cola. Exactly. So, some bores are more equal than others. Exactly. All right. Any stabs at that last lie that you guys did not get? <laughs> I mean, there are so many opportunities for one lie. Mm-hmm. Was the question, was the, I mean, kind of goes off off you guys' usual thing, but out of curiosity, was the, of the two lies, was the lie we caught the first or the second lie? Hmm. I feel like that is okay to answer, and it is the second lie. I'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, then I have 
I have no <laughs> no idea because it was like well in that case yeah go because like I can remember the last little bit since the live but you know I I already threw out kind of guesses as we went so I have no idea where it would be buried in that that's understandable um I can even tell you that it was not in any consideration of the hypotheses because those were just crazy as is I did not feel it necessary to add lies to that thanks yeah <laughs> Well, you got Good anything, Lord. Shane? Um, no. The world's run dry on this. Uh... <laughs> All right. So the first lie of the episode was the black pudding, um, where I mentioned that it was a festive pudding with many Christmas-adjacent herbs and spices made with blood. Black pudding, strangely enough, is a type of blood sausage made with a large amount of cereal, usually oats or barley. Now, you're probably not going to believe me. I was literally going... I was like... The black pudding had to have been fake. Yeah, I was wondering. And then I was like, no, because I mentioned no. And then you elaborated on what black pudding was. And it was because the only recollection I have is that blood is involved. And Mm. then I just completely disregarded the remainder. (laughs) But I was like, that was the only little synaptic firing that I had. So I I give myself (laughs) no credit for it at all. But it's just peculiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, we were close. We were hinting around it because we even stopped to have a little conversation about it. And so mm-hmm. sniffing around, but um, swinging a miss. So the reason why it is called pudding, uh, it the word pudding is believed to derive from the French word boudin, uh, originally from the Latin botellus, meaning small sausage. Because I yeah. was curious as well for... Because black sausage is mentioned in Harry Potter, and that was like one of the weirdest things that I like. What the hell is black pudding? Suddenly, my high school nickname makes a lot more sense to me. Oh no! He called me the Great Boudini, and I had no idea why. But oh, yes, Jesus. this is completely makes sense now. <sighs> well, mm-hmm. so it where it don't belong. <laughs> well, I am elated to say that we are working our way towards the climax of this particular saga, if you will. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a climax, unfortunately, something Joseph of Arimathea did not purportedly enjoy, from my understanding. And perhaps Rip. we'll illuminate that for you. But uh, Mary, however, was a carpenter's dream. Flat as a board, and easy to nail. So... We're go- <laughs> Any more sacrilege I can throw in before we get through the end of this episode, but perfect. as per usual, we are delighted to have all of you here, and if you have not already, I would, you know, politely ask that perhaps you subscribe, because it's a marvelous thing to do, it ensures that you get more of this great content winging your way without any thought or, you know, precipitation. Which really helps us because it means you might just forget to, you know, unsubscribe. But uh, beyond that, of course, there is a link in the show notes that will take you to all of our relevant or irrelevant socials, depending upon your perspective. So you can go engage with us there. And as always, on your preferred podcast provider app, we might ask that you rate and review because we would love to hear from you. With all of that said, we are going to tie this thing up with a glorious little bow. And I will say that for the Disinformed Podcast this week, I'm Shane. And I'm Michael. I'm Michael. (laughs) And zippity zoop, we're out of here. Bum.